Okay, praises be to our loving Father that we are about to finish 2021 and what awaits us is, of course, uh, 2022. Now, of course, when it comes to year end and new beginnings, we tend to plan for what we're going to do in the year to come. Those who plan, for example, concerning where they're going to live, they plan concerning their education, they plan concerning their occupation, their business, and so forth. However, we as the people of God, we have Yahuwah and Yahusha at the center of our life. And so when we plan, we plan around the activities that we must commit to, to please loving Father and Yahusha HaMashiach. And so for us to be able to do that, we need to understand the calendar. Now, why do we need Yahuwah's calendar? Because we know in the year ahead, there are festivals and Sabbaths that we must observe because it pleases our loving Father. And so we need to know when should we do this so that we can plan ahead. So what we're going to do today, it is our hope and purpose that after today's Bible study, you will mark on your calendar the activities, the festivals that we need to prepare for for 2022. Unlike 2021, when we basically did not know when to celebrate the festivals, right? because we were just starting out and we were investigating and looking into when the proper times are to celebrate the festivals. It turns out when we started to research the calendar, it was much more complicated than we thought because you can, when you go to Google and you Google, for example, when is Passover 2022, you're going to get so many different dates because there's so many different calendars out in the world today and each proponent of these calendars, well, they're very, they're very, very affixed, you know. They are committed to those calendars, and those who don't adopt their calendar, they become upset uh, because we don't agree with them. And so when we present to you what we believe to be the calendar that we ought to be following, this is not meant to be dogmatic, okay? You might have your own calendar, if you believe that after reading scripture, Yahuwah Abba has given you a calendar that you believe is more appropriate, by, by all means, go ahead and observe that for yourself and for your family. But as the assembly of Yahusha, it is our hope that after we have disclosed the activities that we're going to be showing to you, that we will be united as an assembly in fulfilling the festivals of Yahuwah. Now, why is the calendar so complex? Well, let's go ahead and look at some of the research being done and what their conclusions are. This is what the, the uh, Julian Morgenstern from the calendar of the Book of Jubilees, its original, its origin and its character has to say, Israel used at least three and possibly four different calendars during its long history. So Israel itself, they could not really agree on a specific calendar uh, from astronomy in the Old Testament. At different periods of time, the Israelites used different systems of months, one after another, sometimes more than one at the same time. How confusing is that, right? The Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, under the category calendar, the topic calendar, as is the case with all the other calendars, the Jewish calendar, as now observed as the product of a long historical development. So when we look at research being done on the calendar and what is being employed as events according to their calendar, you encounter so many contrary information. 
And so what is a calendar in the first place? If you go to uh, Webster's uh, dictionary, it's a system for fixing the beginning, the length and divisions of a civil year. In def definition number two, a tabular register of days according to a system, or there has to be a system usually covering one year and referring to the days of each month to the days of the week. And so it's a system that generates days and weeks and months and comes in a cycles of years. And so it's a way of organizing time so that we can plan ahead concerning activities that we're gonna do in the future. When it comes to the calendar, when we fix the beginning, the length and divisions, what do we often use when we refer to our calendar? Well, we need to ask and answer the following questions. How long is each year? How long is each month? How long is each week? When it comes to how long is each week, that's pretty easy. According to the Holy Bible in Exodus 28 to 11, we have the Sabbath, six days we work and the seventh day we rest. We follow the pattern of Yahuwah in which when he created the heavens and the earth, he worked at creating for the first six days and on the seventh, he rested. So we have the pattern of the week. It's composed of how many days? seven days. However, when it comes to the biblical year and the biblical month, is not that easy. Why? Well, when it comes to the biblical year and the biblical month, how many days compose a year? How many days compose a month? And how do they function and work together? Well, let's go ahead and read Genesis 7, 11 and Genesis 8, 3 down to 4. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, take note, this is the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. And we jump to Genesis 8, 3 to 4. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. The ark rested on the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And so here we have a narrative about the flood, right? And so the Bible says on the second month, what day on the second month? 17th. What happened? The fountains of the great deep were broken up. Windows of heaven were open. There was the flood, right? What day? What was the, the date again? The second month of the 17th day of the month, okay? And then when we go to the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, what happens? The uh, ark rests on the mountains of Ararat. And so how many days elapsed? 150 days. So when you go from the second month to the uh, seventh month, how many months is that? From the second to the seventh. Seven minus two, you have five months. And so five months corresponds to how many days? 150 days, right? So when we do the math, second month, the seventh month, five months. Elapsed number of days, 150 days. And so what does that tell us? 30 days, which translate to a 360 day year. Take note, this was before the flood, when the conditions of the earth were perfect, okay? Somehow before the flood happened, this is what the people observe. And so for one month, there was how many days? 30 days. For one year, how many days? 360 days. And so the sun 
and the moon, they were in sync with each other, okay? However, when we examine today, today, not during the flood, but today, what's the average solar day? What's the average uh, lunar um, cycle? Well, if we, if we measure it with scientific instruments, the average solar year is 365.24 days, right? I mean, if you're gonna take the time and actually measure how long it takes from one equinox to the next equinox, you're gonna get 365.24 days. And when you examine the moon and it changes phase from, from, a, full, from a new moon to a new moon, it's 29.53 days on average, okay? So it's even different because the sun and the moon, they're not following perfect circular orbits, but elliptical orbits, and sometimes they vibrate and twist. And so there's always anomalies. So it's not perfect. So you got 365.24 days and 29.53 days. This becomes a challenge because with this model, 29.53 days and 365.24 days, it is asynchronous. It's not in sync. The moon and the sun are not in sync with each other. Before they were in sync, something must have happened which caused them to be out of sync. We don't know exactly what caused that, but reality today is different from reality back then. So because of this asynchrony, what happens? What's the problem? Well, if we follow to uh, the Torah and observe the Passover in the spring, because that's the commandment, to follow the Passover in the spring, to observe it. But if we will not make adjustments to the, to the, 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 the moon and the sun, right? Eventually, because of the asynchrony, we're going to end up uh, observing Passover in the winter. And after eight years, we're going to end up observing Passover in the fall, which is going to be so weird. And so what we see here, there's a change in how the moon behaves and how the sun behaves. Did this happen by accident? Most likely not, because who's behind all things and knows all things, including the calendar? Who is that? Yahuwah Abba. In fact, this is what the prophet Daniel has to say. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises, raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. There are many people who think that Yahuwah only acts on behalf of his people Israel. But the truth is, Yahuwah is very involved in the history of all mankind. And also, he's very involved even within the works of nature, natural calamities, earthquakes. Yahuwah is also in control and can control those natural occurrences. Yahuwah Abba, he has the might to do it, and he has the might to change the times and the seasons. Take note. If Yahuwah is going to change the times and the seasons, can he do it? Absolutely. Can he change the behavior of the sun and the moon? Absolutely. This is why it becomes a challenge when it comes to creating a calendar that will perfectly match the events of today and the events of what happened long ago. It's going to be impossible, right? And so what we need to learn is Yahuwah's method, Yahuwah's instruction, 
so that we can come up with our own calendar according to his instructions to his people when it comes to the seasons and the festivals that we are to observe. So what could have possibly changed, for example, uh, the behavior of the sun, the behavior of the earth and the moon? Could be many things. For example, in Genesis 7, 11 and 12, there was a cataclysm, right? When the flood came, the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were open and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And so this was a cataclysm. The flood was not a local flood, but a global flood. It covered the entire earth. And so the uh, great deep was broken up. This could have caused because of the violent nature of this event, it changed the landscape of the earth. It could have also changed its rotation, you understand? And so it could have changed the spin of the earth, for example, okay? And so this was a cataclysmic event. What else? The book of Joshua 10, 12 to 13, and Joshua spoke to Yahuwah in the day when Yahuwah delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. This is a phenomenon that doesn't occur naturally, right? And so Yahuwah intervened. He stepped into naturalistic events and he changed things. The sun stood Still, the moon, stop. Does Yahuwah have the power to do that? Yeah. Could this have something to do with the change from a 360-day year to a 365.24-day year? Maybe. We don't know. What we know is what we observe today. It's no longer 360 days. It's how many? 365. What else? The book of 2 Kings uh, 28 to 11. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, what sign will Yahuwah give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of Yahuwah three days from now? Isaiah replied, this is the sign from Yahuwah to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backward 10 steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. So that would be easy. Make it go 10 steps backward instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked Yahuwah to do this, and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. And so here's Hezekiah. I think all of us know the famous story of Hezekiah when Isaiah visited him and said to him, set your family in order because you're, gonna, you're about to die. Then he wept before Yahuwah. He prayed to Yahuwah. And Yahuwah, because of his mercy and compassion, decided to add how many more years? 15 more years. And then when Isaiah gave him the good news, Hezekiah wanted to get a sign. And so what sign do you want? Isaiah said, well, Isaiah proposed, here's a sundial. What do you want to see? And so Hezekiah said, it's easy because it's natural for the sundial to move forward 10 steps. But to go backward 10 steps, that means the sun has to move in a different direction, right? And so that would require supernatural activity from who? 
Yahuwah Abba. That would be a sign indeed. So what we're showing you is Yahuwah's power to intervene and change nature. Yahuwah has the power to change nature, and he can change the events uh, that take place in our life. And so we have uh, the flood, we have Joshua, we have Hezekiah and all these natural, supernatural events. But I don't believe none of that had anything to do with the change in time, the change in uh, 360 days per year to 365 days per year. But there's an event in the Bible that's hidden and if you don't pay attention to it, you might miss it. And this is in the book of Amos, chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the sons of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, the topic is not, is not about the earthquake. It's about a different topic. But to give a, a, a context of time, because these are during the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, the, uh, Amos mentions the earthquake, right? And so it, be, it became a mark in time because it was so significant. It must have been a powerful earthquake if we can use that to give a context of time, right? It's like when we had the earthquake um, back in 1989, the bridge, remember the uh, in San Francisco, it was so devastating, or maybe even more devastating than that. Two thousand one, what happened? Two thousand one, the twin towers. You know, sometimes there are events that are so drastic and dramatic, you use it as a reference point, right? This earthquake was so dramatic, it was used as a reference point, and so it mentions two years before the <laughs> earthquake. In fact, this earthquake is going to be so radical. This earthquake was so radical. It was so different than other earthquakes. It was also used to compare the earthquake that's going to happen when Yahusha returns, when Yahuwah sends Yahusha to return. In the book of Zechariah 14.5, and you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach the Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus, Yahuwah, my God, will come and all the saints with you. And so that earthquake is pretty famous, right? But how many here knew about that earthquake? Not many, right? And so that earthquake during the days of Uzziah that takes us in the 7th century, 7th century, 8th century, around that time frame, okay? And so nobody knows really what caused the earthquake, but it's recorded in the Holy Bible. Nobody knows exactly what caused the earthquake mentioned in Amos, but it occurred midway through the 8th century BC. What archaeologists have uncovered are written traditions of people all over the Mideast and elsewhere of extensive calendar calculation and alterations during the 8th and 7th century BC. This was the time that historians call the Axial Period. When power in the ancient world shifted, Babylon rose to greatness in the times of the Gentiles began. So when this earthquake took place, it became a time marker. And this time marker stood, uh, represented the beginning of the rule of the Gentiles. That's when Babylon rose into power. And guess what? Babylon conquered what country or what nation? Nation of Israel. 
And so around this time, right, um, Babylon's rising in power and, and Daniel is about to be deported to Babylon. And according to research work done by many archaeologists, many historians, there is indeed a change in the calendar that took place around this time, during the time of that great earthquake spoken of by Amos. According to Emmanuel Velikovsky, who became famous when he wrote Worlds in Collision, Velikovsky shows that from India, westward across the Mideast, to as far away as Peru, and back around the globe to China, archaeology has revealed that at one time, all of these nations, okay, all of these nations, all calculated or observed a 360-day ca uh, year calendar. But at, but at some time during the 8th and 17th, the 7th centuries, calendars were reconfigured to show 365 and one quarter days. Velikovsky states that great cosmic changes took place from 747 to 687 BC, all around the earth in the year following 687 BC, calendar reforms took place. And so this is something that you can trace in history. At around the seventh century, that's what many historians call it, the seventh century change. There was a changing calendar, not just in one nation, but throughout the entire globe. So something must have happened, right? There was a great earthquake. Uh, there's a, a scholar by the name of Chuck Missler who suggested that Mars passed by. It became very close to Earth and could have caused massive uh, earthquakes that way. And so that's one theory. We don't really know what caused it, but something happened. There was a great earthquake and it caused a trigger of changes to the point there was a change in the calendar from 360 to 365 and a quarter days per year. And 640 BC, um, the Greek astronomer Thales was given credit for discovering uh, that there are 365 and one quarter days in a year. Does this mean that before this, the scientists, the philosophers could not calculate the number of days? No, this is just something, he was just the first one to calculate it after the upheaval in the heavens took place. And this upheaval in the heavens really struck a chord. It caused fear in the hearts of men. This is why Jeremiah even wrote about it. Jeremiah 10 verse 2, thus says Yahuwah, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. So during the days of Jeremiah, during the days of Daniel, during the days of uh, some of the prophets before that, there was an event that took place. And these events that took place, who knows what it could be, right? It caused a great earthquake and it caused many changes in the calendar. And so around this time, we know that Israel is in Babylon. Then they come out of Babylon. When they come out of Babylon, what do they do? They build the temple. And so during the second temple period, they have to come up with their own calendar. During the second temple period, from 515 BC to AD 70, uh, this authority to come up with a calendar uh, to determine the calendar appears to have been vested on the high priests. However, with the temple's destruction by the Romans in AD 70, the rabbis seized control of this important responsibility. And so from the second temple, 
temple period up until AD 70, when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, it was the rabbis who controlled uh, the calendar. During the days of Yahusha on earth, there were two authority figures, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The one who was seated were the Sadducees. They were controlling uh, the calendar, but the Pharisees had more influence because of their popularity with the people. Okay, so it turns out the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not agree on the calendar either. They did not even agree on when to observe Sabbath. The Pharisees believed it was from sunrise to sunrise. The Sadducees believed it was from sunset to sunset. So it had this division amongst uh, the people of Israel during the second temple period. So after 70 AD, what happened? How did they determine the calendar? Uh, one of the rabbis by the name of Hillel, Hillel II, a leading rabbi in the fourth century, developed uh, what is called the, the Hebrew calendar, which used a lot of computations. The reason why is because, because of the persecution led by Constantine, because Constantine did not like the Jews. And so he prevented the, the rabbis from meeting together to determine the entire, to determine the calendar. Okay, and so they had to develop a new method. And so Hillel was the one who came up with that method and it was changed and it eventually evolved into the present system that the Jews employ. And this is what we have today. So when you go up to Google and you Google, for example, when is Passover or Feast of Tabernacles, you Google online, most likely you're going to get on your topmost hits, use a calendar that is calculated by Hillel, Hillel II, uh, system. So we have different calendars. However, it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, yes, the behavior of the earth and the moon, the stars can change, but the instructions remain the same. Why do we need to know the instructions so that we can observe and fulfill the festivals of Yahuwah? The book of Leviticus 23, 1 to 4, and Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of Yahuwah in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, your holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times in the year to come, 2022. The true people of Yahuwah, they plan around the Sabbath. They plan around the special Sabbaths of the festivals as well. This is why we're going to give you the calendar ahead of time so that we will plan our activities around the festivals, around the Sabbath. We make Yahuwah first, right? We don't adjust the festivals for the sake of our own personal agendas. No, we adjust according to what Yahuwah wants. And so when must we observe the festivals? In verse four, it says, you shall proclaim at their appointed times. What does that mean? At their appointed times. When we look at the Hebrew word for appointed times, some this is a word I want you to understand, okay? It says here, it's often translated in English at using the phrase in their seasons. But the Hebrew word is Hebrew 4150, which means moed, moedim. So when we 
find Moedim in the Holy Bible. It means an appointed time, a season. If you look at the biblical usage, appointed time, sacred season, a set feast, appointed season. You see, Yahuwah God does not do things haphazardly. He's an orderly God. He does things in order. And Yahushua HaMashiach follows the Moedim. This is why when we look at the feasts, the first feast, the first set of feasts, the spring feasts, right? Which is composed of the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, followed by Pentecost, that was fulfilled by Yahushua according to the Moedim, these set appointed times. Yahushua died on Passover. He was buried on unleavened bread. He resurrected on first fruits. He sent the Spirit as a manifestation of himself on Pentecost. So Yahushua followed the Moedim of the four feasts, the spring and the summer feast of Pentecost, okay? So Yahushua followed that. And so we need to know Moedim. In fact, the apostles assume that the followers of Yahushua also understand the Moedim, 1 Thessalonians 5.1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. And so Apostle Paul expects us to understand the seasons. He expects us to understand the calendar. And so if we're going to ask you, do you understand the calendar? What are you going to say? Do you? We probably will say, I have no idea what the calendar is. All I know is summer, spring, winter, and fall. Guess what? You already are on the right track because it's not really different from other calendars, okay? We just need to know what we need to do during these changes in the seasons. And so what does the Bible teach us? What instruction was given to us so that we can determine the times, the moedim for the festivals? Because we don't really want to rely on other religious groups, right? For example, we're going to re rely on somebody else's calendar or another person's calendar. How can we know this person did it right? So we're going to rely on the instruction. The instruction. Luminary behaviors may change, but the instruction does not change. It remains the same. And so we're going to go back to Genesis because that's where we find the instruction so that we can determine the appropriate times, the Moedim, Genesis 1, 14 and 16. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And so what did Yahuwah instruct us to do so that we can determine the signs and the seasons? He gave us what? Lights. You notice that? Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. So the lights are going to guide us. It's going to teach us the signs and the seasons. What is that word there? Seasons. What do you think that word is? Huh? Moed? Moedim? Is it? Yep, you are right. The Hebrew word H4150, Moedim. And so the Bible tells us that we're going to use the lights in the firmament to teach us when the appointed times are. So we're going to use the lights. But wait a minute. What lights is Yahuwah talking about? What do you think? What lights is Yahuwah talking about? 
because we're going to use these lights to determine Moedim, right? What lights? <laughs> well, let's go back, Genesis 1, 14 and 16. Uh, let there be lights, let them be for signs and seasons, right? And then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So we have three lights here, the two great lights, one great, one greater, right? What's the light that rules the day? The sun. What is the light that rules the night? The moon and the stars also. And so the stars, we, the, although they play a role in determining Moedim, the more impactful role come from the sun and the moon. Because there are those who say we should not involve the moon when it comes to calculating the Moedim. But the Bible clearly tells us that God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And there are those who say, well, the lesser, it doesn't mention moon there. It doesn't mention moon. It only, mean, it, it only mentions two great lights, great, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. But Isaiah specifies what that lesser light is that rules the night. In the book of Isaiah 60, verse 19, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you by night. But Yahuwah will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. And so the greater light is the sun. The lesser light is the moon. And we have the stars also. And so by observing the patterns of the sun, the moon, and stars, we can determine our own calendar, okay? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to determine our calendar. We're going to calculate it together. Is that okay? We're going to show you how to calculate the calendar so we don't have to rely too much on other groups who have their own calendars. We will look at the appointed times, the Moedim, based on the sun, the moon and the stars, because the sun, moon, and the stars were given so that we can have an understanding of the signs and the seasons, the, the Moedim or appointed time. So what pattern does the sun reveal? When we observe the sun, right? Let's just use common sense. Yahuwah gave us instructions, but Yahuwah was expecting us to use common sense because God gave us a brain, right? And so when we observe the sun, what do we see as a pattern? What pattern do we see when we observe the sun? The behavior of the sun. What pattern does the sun reveal? If there's no sun, absence of, uh, oh my, this is good. If there is no sun, what, what is that? Night. If, there's the, if the sun is present, what is that? Day. And so we have the day, we have the night. Pretty easy, right? And so, there's another aspect of it, though, that we need to consider. What is that? There's a pattern here that Yahuwah God develops for us. He sets up a pattern. When, you, when, you, when we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, when we look at the Bible as literature, the Bible as a book of God, it is composed of patterns. There's similitudes and metaphors and patterns that repeats itself again and again. Okay? And Yahuwah, in the very beginning, sets up a pattern. What is that pattern? Genesis 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So Yahuwah God gives us a pattern, right? What is a pattern? After he created in the beginning, what was their first? Darkness. Everything began in darkness. And then what did God do? He intervenes. He creates what? Light, right? He creates light from darkness. And so the pattern is darkness, then light. And so when you look at verse 5, and the evening and the morning were the first day. That's the pattern. It begins with darkness and then ends up in light, which is a good metaphor for our spiritual life, right? I mean, we started out, did we start out in light? No, we started out in darkness. We got the calling. We believed. We got baptized. We are now in the light, right? And so that's the metaphor for our spiritual life. Back in Genesis chapter 1, 1 down to 5. You start with uh, darkness, and then you end up in light. The first day, and then the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Do you know what that tells us? That tells us the pattern of human nature. We start out in darkness and then we get saved, right? We're in the light. Now, what do we do? We go back in darkness. We get punished. We go back in the light, right? And then we go back in darkness. That's the struggle of human nature. That's the struggle that human beings have had with Yahuwah, right? It's like, this is why we have the remnant pattern. We have the apostasy remnant because of the pattern of evening and morning, darkness and light. You start out with the darkness and then you, be, you enter the light, then you go back to darkness. But then something happens on the seventh day. What happens? We have everlasting light that represents our everlasting rest. And so our struggle is going to come to an end when Yahusha returns. At least we have that pattern. So there's a pattern of darkness, then light. And the day has a 24-hour cycle. It begins sunset and ends uh, right before sunset. That's the 24-hour cycle. That's the pattern of the, uh, the sun. How about the moon? What pattern does the moon reveal? When you look at the moon, it has different shapes, right? Sometimes it's all white. What do you call that? Full moon. Sometimes it has a sliver. Sometimes it's a quarter full. Sometimes it's half. Sometimes there's no moon. What do you call that when there's no moon? Yeah, you call that a new moon. And so it changes, right, from, no, from new moon to full moon and then back to no moon, right, to full moon to new moon again. And so to go from new moon to full moon is about 14 days. And to go from full moon to new moon is about 14 days, okay? More than 14 days because the av average lunation, like what we said, is 29.53 days. So that's the pattern of the moon. It has a 30-day cyclical pattern. The sun produces a 24-day daily um, pattern, right? Well, how about the stars? What pattern do the stars reveal? What do you think? Do the stars reveal a pattern? When you look at the night sky, do they change? 
you might say, well, I can't really tell, Brother John, because when I look up, all I see is nothing because there's so much luminosity in my backyard that you can't really see the stars. How many here, when they go outside and look up the night sky, they see a lot of stars? Probably not too many of us, right? Because we live in, in the city, maybe. And maybe if you live like in the country or in a farm somewhere far, and you can see the night sky and all the stars, and when you watch it day after day after day, what do you notice? Stars are changing, right? Why is that? According to the book of Job, something very interesting here in the book of Job, uh, can you bind, this is Yahuwah God speaking, Yahuwah God says, can you bind a cluster of the Pleiades, Pleiades, or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Maseroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Do you know what Yahuwah God is talking about there? What is the Pleiades, the Orion, the great bear? What is that? Aren't there the constellations? Right? The Bible mentions, Yahuwah God says, can you bring out Maseroth in its season? What is the Maseroth? What is that? Well, if you look at the Hebrew word for Maseroth, from Hebrew 4216, Mazara, which means the 12 signs of the Zodiac and their 36 associated constellations. Are we endorsing astrology? No! This is not for astrology. This is for stargazing so that we can know the times and the seasons. Because when you observe the constellations and the stars, what will you see? The pattern of stars have an annual cycle. What do you mean? If you observe throughout the year, the constellations shift gradually to the west. The stars follow a pattern that lasts for one solar year, then repeats itself. So if you stand in one spot, and you observe the stars, you're going to see a shift in the constellations. And you will observe a pattern that lasts for how long? One solar year. And if you are going to take instruments to measure, you're going to discover this calendar year, the solar year, is 365.24 days. Okay, so the pattern of the stars gives us the year. Pattern of the sun gives us days. Pattern of the moon gives us months. Pattern of the stars gives us Years. So now we have years, months, and days. Do we have a calendar? Right? We do. And so the average solar uh, year is 365.24 days. An average lunation is 29.53 days with 24 hours per day. Now that we know that, does it mean we have a calendar already? Not necessarily. Right? So we have the data. We have the stars, the sun, and the moon to help us. Now... For us to construct a uh, calendar, the first question we need to answer is this. How do we know when the year starts? We have to have a starting point, right, for the year. So where is that? What is the starting point of the year? Is it January? <laughs> That's what we know to be the starting point, right? This is why we're celebrating New Year. But in actuality, as far as who is concerned, the New Year is not January, okay? Uh, we just live in this culture, and the culture teaches us January is a new year. But for us, it's really not a new year. It's something else, right? And so how do we know when the year actually starts? Well, if you go to Genesis, again, 1, 14 to 16, Bible tells us we look at the lights. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. So we're going to look at the two main lights, the sun and the moon. When we examine the sun, 
when we examine the sun for patterns, not only do we notice a day-night pattern, there's also something we notice. What is that? Depending on where we are throughout the year, we're going to have different experiences, four markers, four identifiable markers throughout the solar year. What are they? This is caused by the sun. Number one, there are, there's a day, right? Where you have equal day and equal night. So when you actually time it, 12 hour days and 12 hour nights, perfectly equal, okay? Sometimes during the day you have 14 hour nights and 10 hour days, right? And so it shifts, it changes. That's one pattern, equal day, equal night. Another pattern, there's a day of most daylight, right? Number three, another pattern, there's equal day, equal night again. And then there's another pattern, day of least daylight. Do you notice what we find here in the pattern the sun brings us? What do we find there? What do we find there? Do you know what they are? For example, equal day and equal night, what do we call that? That's the start of what? Spring, right? Day of most daylight, that's the start of summer. Equal day and equal night, that's the start of fall. Day of least daylight, that's the start of winter. Look at number one, equal day and equal night. That's the start of spring. It's called, this, it's called the spring equinox. Equinox means equal daylight, equal sunlight, uh, equal daylight, equal nighttime. Okay, equinox. So, so when that comes, that means it's the start of spring. I want you to keep that in mind. And so we know that there are these four beginnings, either equal day, equal night, day of most daylight, equal day, equal night, day of least daylight, which among the four seasons, is the starting point of the year. Which do you think it is? It's a good thing we don't have to guess because the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus 12, one to two. Now, Yahuwah spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And so Yahuwah changed the calendar right here. He changed the calendar. Right, because he's saying now, today, this month shall be your beginning of months. It will be the first month to you. What month was that? Exodus 3, 4, on this day, you are going out the month of Abib. And so God gives us a name for the first month. It's not Nisan, right? It's not April or March. It's called what? Abib. What does that mean? Abib. Well, if we go to the dictionary... Abib, uh, the Hebrew word Abib, H24, it means uh, fresh, young, barley ears, month of ear forming, of greening of crop, of growing green Abib, month of Exodus and Passover, March and April. You see, in the land of Israel, people of Israel, they grew off of the land, right? They were farmers, and so they tilled the land and they reap the harvest. That's how they lived their life. They were not industrial, they were agricultural. And so the calendar to them was reflected on what the crops, how the, the land produced crops. And Abib represents barley and barley appears during what time? Spring, okay? So now we know the first month, the first day of the month occurs sometime in spring. Sometime in spring. So we choose number one. 
Okay, so it's spring. Well, when does spring begin? In 2022, when does spring equinox start? That's easy to guess. We know that spring starts March 20. It's been like that for a while now. March 20, okay? So March 20. So we know that the start of the new year is somewhere within this time frame. We don't know yet the exact date, but it starts in this, in this time frame because you cannot have a spring festival if it doesn't fall on spring. So it has to be after March 20, right? Okay, so how can we specify the day? How can we know the first day of the first month? We know it falls on a spring, but how do we know the first day of the first month? Remember, Yahuwah gave us the sun to determine Moedim, but Yahuwah also gives us what to determine Moedim? Psalm 104.19, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. What also did Yahuwah appoint us so that we can determine Moedim, the moon? We know because of the sun, we know it's in the spring, right? Now the moon is telling us we can identify, we can specify the first month, the first day of the month. How so? The book of Psalms, 81 verse 3, sound the ram's horn at the new moon. And so the Bible talks about the new moon. And when we look at the Hebrew word new moon, it says hodesh, Hebrew word 2320. This is, and what does that mean? Hodesh means new moon or month. And so other translators, when they uh, translate Psalms 81, they translate it new month instead of new moon, because there are those who say you don't use the moon to determine the month. But in actuality, Hodesh and Yera, which is the Hebrew word for moon, are actually interchangeable. Hodesh month is used interchangeably with Yera. For example, in the book of 1 Kings 8 verse 2, therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. Here in the English translation, we have month, right? But when you look at the Hebrew, the, 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 the translated word month corresponds to two different Hebrew words. Because in the first instance, in the month, what word is used? Yera. In the second instance of month, what, what word is used? Hodesh. And so we have Hodesh and Yera used interchangeably. This is why there's a relationship between the new month and the new moon, right? The new moon begins with, the new month begins with a new moon. And what exactly is a new moon? Astronomically speaking, the new moon looks like this. You see the, the, the moon comes in phases. The new moon is when the moon is in perfect alignment with the earth and the sun. It's called a conjunction. That's what astronomers call it, a lunar conjunction, right? And so when the sun and the earth and the moon are in alignment, you have no luminosity. You get a dark moon. You get a black moon, if you can call it that, right? And so it follows the pattern, darkness first, and then you get light, okay? So the day starts off with what? Darkness, light. The month begins in darkness, light. The moon in darkness, and then light. You see the pattern? Pattern doesn't change. And I want you to keep in mind that pattern. Darkness first, and then the light. That's the pattern Yahuwah gave us 
in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, 1 down to 5, because that is a significant pattern. Darkness, light. Evening, morning. You get the uh, new moon, and then eventually after 14 days, you get what? Full moon, right? You get 14 days. At, and so to go from new moon to full moon, it takes about 14.23 something days. I forget the exact amount, uh, number of days. And to go from full moon back to new moon, you get, that's another 14 point something number of days. So you get a total of 30, almost 30 number of uh, days for one cycle of the moon phases, right? You see that? And so the new moon starts uh, the new month, okay? And so now we can determine the first day of the first month of the new year. Because we know it's going to happen after March 20, right? And so now we're going to look at the conjunctions. We're going to go to an observatory and ask ourselves, okay, when do we find conjunctions? When are the lunar conjunctions? Because remember, the lunar conjunction must correspond with the, bar, the, uh, the barley, the abib, right? And so it has to happen after March 20. And so when we look at March, when is the conjunction in the month of March? When we go to this website, geez, I forgot the name of this website, but it shows you the different phases for 2022. For March 2022, look at when it's almost zero illumination. What do you find? What what date in March or what date, yeah, what date in March do we find the new moon? March 2. You see that? March 2, right? And so if March 2 begins the first day of the new year, and after, after 15 days, you have, after 15 days, and then after that, you have Abib. And when was the solstice again? When was the uh, start of spring? 20, March 20. And so March 2 is not going to qualify because 14 days later is going to fall before March 20. So you add like 14 days to it. So March 2 plus 14, March 16, it falls behind March 20. So that doesn't qualify, okay? So we'll go to the next candidate, April, okay? When is the full moon for April? Yeah, when is the full moon for April? I mean, not the full moon, but the uh, new moon for April. Zero, zero illumination, you see it? April the 1st, isn't that nice? <laughs> For 2022, the conjunction, which takes place after the solstice, the spring equinox, is April the 1st. So April the 1st, the new moon, that marks the new year. That marks the, new, the first month, first day of the first month. So now we have a calendar. See how easy that was, right? Now we have a calendar. So in, for 2022, April 1st, month one is the new moon. April 14th because the, it's the 14th of uh, Abib, that's Passover. That's a Thursday. So we're going to have our Passover on a Thursday. And so we're letting you know in advance so that you can plan for this. We're going to have Passover on the Thursday. We'll, we'll decide on the timing later on, but for the most part, it's going to be on Thursday. And then 15 and 21 is unleavened bread from Friday to Thursday. Remember, the 15th and the 21st are Sabbath. So plan for the Sabbath. April 17, first fruits, June the 5th, which is 50 days later, Pentecost, Pentecost, okay? So these are the events 
of 2022 that we need to plan for, but we're not yet finished, right? We also have the autumn feasts. So how do you calculate when the autumn feasts start? We use the same technique. And so when are the autumn feasts scheduled for? In Leviticus 23, 23 and 25, we know on the seventh month, the first day is a Sabbath rest. It's called the Feast of Trumpets, right? And so we need to look for the seventh month, first day. That's the Feast of Trumpets. And then on the 10th day, we have what? The day of Atonement. And this is significant because we are to afflict our souls on the day of atonement. And it shall be uh, another Sabbath. It's a special Sabbath. Okay. Another special Sabbath. So trumpets is a special Sabbath. This one, uh, day of atonement, is also a special Sabbath. So this is the 10th. So, so far, we have the seventh month, first day. And then we have the 10th day, right? Next, we have the beginning the 15th day, we have the beginning of tabernacles from the 15th day to the 21st, which is eight days. On the first day and the eighth day, it will be a Sabbath. Okay, you see that? So what we need to know for the autumn feast is we're going to look at the autumn equinox. Before we looked at the spring equinox, now the autumn equinox. When is the autumn equinox? September 22, uh, 20... Uh, this is 2021, but usually it's the same. And when we, it, when we look at the um, phases in September for 2022, September 22, when is zero illumination? Uh, new moon, when do we find it? I circled it for you, September 26. So September 26 is what? That's the new moon. That's the first day of the seventh month, which is the day of, what day is that? Trumpets, good. All right, so September 26th, day of trumpets. On the 10th day, we have the day of atonement, October 5, which is the Wednesday. October 10 and 17, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is eight days from Monday to Monday, right? And the 10th and the 17th being a special Sabbath. You see that? So now we have a full calendar. We're all set for 2022. We're going to post this so that you can know uh, these dates so that you can circle this on your Gregorian calendar so that you can prepare ahead of time concerning the special Sabbaths, the festivals, so that we can properly observe the festivals of Yahuwah for the year 2022. So it's very different uh, 2022 compared to 2021. 2021, we were kind of just, uh, we didn't, we're kind of lost, really, because we didn't, this was all new to us. All this is new to us. So at least we're getting better. We may not be completely refined, but we're getting better. We're progressing. And then I believe Yahuwah is going to bless our efforts. Now, you know, maybe in the future, we're going to refine our, our technique for determining the dates. Maybe we'll learn more about the calendar. So maybe we'll change it for 2023. But for now, let's agree with this, Okay so that we can be together when we celebrate the festivals. Because one of the common um, criticism when we present uh, this model of the calendar, because this was basically derived from the pattern darkness first, and then what? Light, right? 
That was the main differential between this calendar of Yahuwah and the other calendars. In this calendar, we followed the pattern. We followed the theme of darkness first and then light. And so people are going to ask, the new moon is when the moon is fully dark. How can the month begin in darkness? But to answer that question, it's basically simple. Everything begins in darkness. Because when you go to Genesis 1, 1 to 5, when God created the heavens and the earth, what did you begin with? Darkness. What did Jehovah God do? He worked. And in his work, he brought what? Light. And he set apart the light. So from darkness, you got light. That's the pattern. God begins with darkness and he takes and he creates light and separates it from darkness. This is the work of Yahuwah Abba. And this is deeply spiritual, not just physical, but spiritual. It's a pattern that fits throughout the events in the Holy Bible. God begins with darkness and creates light out of it. In Job 12, 22, this is what it says. He uncovers the deeps out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. This is the work of Yahuwah. And so when we look, and this, this pattern fits the festivals in the spring and the autumn. For example, 2022, I want you to see the pattern. Okay, I want you to see the pattern of darkness and light. Okay, when you look at the spring festivals, the new moon, is that darkness or light? It begins with what? Darkness. How long does it usually take before you get full light? How many days? 14, right? And so when you get 14 or 15, when you get, when is full moon? When does the full moon come? Full light for the moon. 14 days later, what date is that? Falls on Passover and unleavened bread. You see that? Yahuwah got started with darkness and then he did something great. He brought light through the death of Yahusha because he's reconciling man to himself. Yahuwah is light. <coughs> By the death of Yahusha, man has been brought to the light. You see the metaphor there? It starts April 1st, the first day of the month, right? First day of the year. It starts in darkness. But in the 14th and the 15th, you have the death and burial of who? Yahusha. Man is being reconciled to who? God. God is light. See that? Really nice, right? How about this one? You see the pattern? September, uh, the, the fall feasts. What pattern do you see? September 26, right? What happens on the 26th? It's a new moon. The moon is dark. In darkness, what do you do to wake people up? You blow trumpets. What's the purpose of the blowing of trumpets? The shofar. It is to wake people up, to prepare them. And this is why the trumpet is blown when it's dark and eventually it leads to repentance, day of atonement. And it concludes on the 10th, which is 14 days later or 15, uh, 13 or 14 days later, it concludes with the feast of tabernacles. What's tabernacles? Yahuwah Abba is tabernacling with them. Yahuwah is light, right? Now we incorporate Yahusha too. Yahuwah and Yahusha, tabernacles with us on, on tabernacles. This is why tabernacles is such a festive and joyous event. And hopefully we can do something grand, Yahuwah willing, uh, for 2022, if it's possible for us to 
do something grand and festive on tabernacles. That would be so awesome, right? So what we see in the pattern, 100% light at Passover and unleavened bread in spring and tabernacles in the fall. You see the pattern? And so it begins with darkness and then it ends up becoming light. That's the pattern. This is why in the work of evangelism, what is the pattern? Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes so that they may, they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's the pattern. We start out in darkness. Nobody starts out in the light. We start out in darkness. And so we start out, we start out under the dominion of the enemy. So what is the purpose of calling an election? What's the purpose of preaching the gospel? Open our eyes. Why? So that we can turn from darkness to light. What's the equivalent of that? To turn from the power of Satan to God. Here's the question. How can we turn from the power of Satan to God? There's a mediator. What's his name? Yahusha. And so Yahusha, what does he say about himself and the condition of the world? John 12, 46. I, Yahusha said, have come into the world as what? Light before Yahuwah was light. Now Yahusha is also light. He's the son of God. He was sent by Yahuwah to be light upon the world. And so the world starts in darkness. And then Yahusha says, I have come into the world as light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And so the pattern fits in our spiritual life. We begin in darkness. But the moment we believe in Yahusha. The light begins to overcome the darkness, just like the new moon begins in darkness. But once the turn is made, what happens? You see the crescent, it becomes a full moon, full lightness. That's like us. You know, in many ways, that metaphor fits us because when you consider the moon, does the moon produce its own light? Does the moon produce its own light? No, it's merely reflecting the light of the sun, right? See, like the moon, we don't have light of our own. We don't. When we go to Yahushua, we don't have light of our own. We're merely reflecting the light that comes from Yahushua. <laughs> Isn't that neat? This is why the pattern of darkness to light fits not only physically, but what? Spiritually. And so we start out in darkness. We go to Yahushua. We have faith in him. We're baptized in his body. We now have the ability to reflect that light. And so what is our responsibility as the assembly of Yahusha? Let's read the final passage of our studies today, the book of 1 John 2, 8 to 10. However, the command I now write to you is new because its truth is seen in Christ and also in you for the darkness is passing away and the real light is already shining. If we say that we are in the light yet hate others, we are in the darkness of this very hour. If we love others, we live in the light. And so there's nothing in us that will cause someone else to sin. And so what is our responsibility? Now that we belong to our King Yahushua, Apostle John says, the darkness is passing away. And the light is already shining. Right? Because Yahushua has come. And now there are those who belong to Yahushua. And Apostle John says, the truth is seen in Christ. When Christ was here on earth, indeed, the light was seen. But that light can now be reflected in us. And so it was seen in Christ. It can also be seen in you, Apostle John says. And so we have to reflect that light that Yahushua, Yahushua brought to the world. What is that light? How does that look like? How can we reflect the light of Yahushua? 
Bible says we have to love others. That's how we live in the light and work in the light. And so brethren, when we hate, we go back to darkness. Don't do that. Let's stay in the light, stay in fellowship with Yahushua. And when he returns, that light will never, ever be extinguished. This is why in our struggle, you know, I mean, as human beings, from time to time, we commit sin. Am I right? No, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And this is perfectly depicted in Genesis 1 again, right? Evening and morning, day one. And then you go back to evening and morning, day two. You go back to evening. It's like we go back to our sin and then we repent. We go back to the light. And so the pattern repeats until one day, on the seventh day, the day of our final and everlasting rest, we will no longer worry about going back ever to the darkness. And so we have a struggle right now, but we do our best to live a life of love. We do our best to reflect the love as Yahushua showed us and he showed to the world because he's the light of the world. We have to reflect that light. We have to reflect that love. And may we do so as we fulfill the different festivals, the Sabbaths that Yahuwah God gave to us for the year 2022. Okay, that is our lesson for today. Let's go ahead and stand for our prayer. Everlasting Father, gracious and almighty Yahuwah Abba, thank you so much for preparing us for the year 2022. Thank you for you are indeed a long-suffering Father. You are patient with us because we are slow in the way we understand, but we will never give up. We will pursue and persist even when there are setbacks because we long and thirst for you. You are our Abba and we want deep fellowship with you. Father, we don't know what lies in 2022, but we will do our best to please you. And slowly, somehow, some way, you show us step by step what we need to do. Teach us never to rely on our own strength, but always teach us to rely on you perfectly every single day, every moment in our life. Father, when we stumble and fall because of our flesh, when we seek out forgiveness through repentance, may you have mercy upon us. Teach us to stay in the light longer. Teach us to live in the light, to reflect love for all human beings, that we can represent you and represent Mashiach to everyone. Loving Mashiach Yahushua, thank you so much for your love has set us free from the bondage of sin and death. We have so much to look forward to. Help us and guide us as we observe the proper feasts, the Sabbath, that we, as we observe all of the other commandments that Yahuwah Abba has given to us. May you guide us with your spirit. May you dwell in us that we can be pleasing to you and to our Father. Father, bless your people throughout the world. May you please prepare us for our worship services. And thank you so much, loving Father, for blessing your people with wisdom that we need. We ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.